Now we had a customer absolutely go off about QR codes saying on one of our barcodes that we have on every single table. And this customer went off at one of the junior wait waitresses to the point of you know, spit coming out of his mouth, um, saying it's not a bar, it's not a barcode, it's a QR code. Can't you guys get that right? And it's like, that's really not normal behaviour. Today on Dirty Linen, we are talking to Rod Shakui. Rod uh, is a baker, a chef. We've been chatting a little bit throughout the pandemic, and um, yes, it's certainly been an interesting road. Rod is at Beasley Tea House. Um, we're talking today because Rod reached out after the um, the whole situation with Bob's your uncle and the abusive customer that uh, was so horrible to Lisa and her staff that she was th that upset that she just closed the cafe and just could not deal with uh, with being in front of people anymore. Rod, you reached out because you feel like this is something. Um, yeah, that is, is happening and, and shouldn't be and that you've got things to say about it. I'm really pleased that you've spoken up and that we're able to um, connect today. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Danny. Nice to meet you. Nice to finally be on one of your amazing podcasts. And yeah, uh, I mean, you know, we've, we've been in this industry a long time yeah. and this industry has been alive for such a long time because of its nature of being hospitable. Um, you know, it's got a deep reputation um, embedded in history just for the sake of, you know, it, it's the feeling of coming to my house or coming to your house and being fed, being looked after. You know, do you need a shower? Do you need a bed? Do you need to be fed? And I think along the way, um, I don't think it's taken COVID to create this experience for a lot of people, but I do think it's taken COVID to maybe push over a tipping point. Um, and, you know, as soon as I heard about Lisa's experience at Bob's Your Uncle Cafe, I, it, you know, literally um, went against every single grain in my value system. And I think, you know, the, we can either choose as human beings to either react or respond. You know, reacting like animals is usually a, you know, a low vibration sort of uh, charge, while, say, high vibration, we tend to respond. And I didn't want to react to this and go on the, you know, back foot and be like, you know, defending her and everything like that. I really wanted this to be something that can be a talking point, um, something that's really important, something that I'm noticing a lot. Um, if it's not just from the general conversation on social media, um, it's definitely happening within our own cafe as well. Um, and I just really wanted to contribute to the cafe first off and send you know, some support, you know, because the challenge was so big for them. The challenge was so big that they physically had to close the cafe. And that's really, mm. really, that's, that says a lot, you know, when usually in our life, when we're being challenged, we are met with an equal amount of support in one area of our life, in one of those spectrums, you know, financial, emotional, mental, physical, all those spectrums that's in everyone's life. And these guys just felt so overwhelmed with the challenge and they couldn't see the support. So they decided to reflect and withdraw and that's a really mm. dangerous place I think mentally because it's hard to navigate your way around something like this without support so then as soon as I saw that I just saw an opportunity to I guess in a sense when all else fails show the most love um, I don't know them I have I've never met them but that doesn't mean I can't show love and compassion and empathy and I think um, when you start talking, uh, uh, when you start speaking a message that everyone believes in, everyone jumps either on board or they follow you. 
And that's what I'm finding is that, you know, thank you, first of all, to you for taking this podcast and taking this issue. You know, I think it's incredibly important. I think it's central to hospitality now. It's not just the workers and the industry and the regulations and the policy and all the new procedures that we're trying to adapt to, but it's also on the customer's behalf. Um, it, you know, it's our responsibility to educate the customers, but it's the customer's responsibility to uphold the lessons that are learned. Otherwise, why be why being why go through the lessons being taught? You know, it's mm. for nothing. You know, we all we're always in school. We never left school. <laughs> That's so true. There are always opportunities to learn every day, uh, and you know, that's I think I love connecting with the food world because there are always new things to learn. And I guess as much as you can learn about food that you put on a plate, I mean, there's always opportunities to connect with people. And whenever you connect with people, there is an opportunity to learn. So I was really touched by one of your um, responses to what you heard from, from Bob's Your Uncle Cafe. You wanted to send a hamper, a bit of a care package. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> What, were you, what are you planning to put in the hamper? <laughs> it's always a question of how can I help, isn't it? You know, um, when you see a table that needs something, they're clicking their fingers in the air. You know, they need help. They need something. So there's always a void that you're trying to fill. And this one was kind of tricky. But as soon as I thought, well, don't know them, don't know them from a bar of soap, but I think we can offer something to take their mind off the pain of having to close their cafe, we should organize something like a hamper. You know, everyone loves a hamper, especially when it's free. <laughs> um, so I thought, you know, don't just offer a basic hamper that you go to the reject shop. Um, take the hamper and do the best you can. So we all put our minds together and we're a big nursery. We're one of, one of, a, one of the best nurseries in Melbourne, you know, so we've got a lot of good product around the nursery. So I talked to the owners and they said, yep, we're absolutely on board. We believe in what you believe in. Um, let's throw in some plants, a voucher to come shop around. And, you know, um, something that's amazing for mental health is the garden, you know, so they can come in, they can walk around the nursery, be around nature, be around all the greenery, all the fernery, all the seedlings, you know, they can choose something to plant, something to nurture, something to grow. You know, I think that's really beneficial for mental health. So that was one box that was ticked. And then we're, you know, doing a, we do our bakeries on weekends. So a loaf of sourdough that we make here, um, some freshly baked scones, some jam, um, you know, some goodies like that. And then I also um, reached out to a couple of contacts of mine. One of them was Monica Mignon from MasterChef. She's got her own uh, cake company now called Mignon's Cakes. Uh, she's a local. She said, absolutely, I'm willing to contribute. Um, whatever you need, just let me know. So we're going to send like a, a drip cake or something like that to these guys as well. Um, Billy from Miss Pryor Cafe in Eltham. He's like world-class panettone maker. I've literally had no better panettone than his. And that was the first thing I thought of because he's making sourdough panettone at the moment. And I was like, hey, Billy, how about it? And he's like, yep, no matter what you need, you got it. So again, like all these people are just coming to the table. And then obviously like you guys, you know, with getting the word out there and having a serious conversation around it. Um, Graham Magazine, Baking Business Magazine, they're all on board as well. So again, it's um, I think there's a common theme here about we all believe in the message that we're trying to put out there. And everyone is willing to contribute. And, you know, the, the payoff is Bob's Your Uncle feels supported um, and equally to the challenge that they were presented with. And I think that's the takeaway here is that there's always that um, equal balance in everyone's life in every, in every moment of challenge and support. It's just about looking for it. And when you can't see it, the world will present it to you. 
Well, that's um, you're showing a lot of confidence in the world, which I love. But tell me, Rod, um, you've had some customers that have made things a little bit tricky recently. Can you tell me about some of the things you've experienced? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, two examples this week was um, on Tuesday this week, you know, we have, we have our customers also having struggles, you know, um, it's not just about the staff and the operators having struggles, you know, the, the outcome of lockdown um, mentally isn't just on the staff and um, crippling industries. It's literally on the people that support those industries, the customers. And, you know, I might be a, a nice person nine out of 10 times, but now because of COVID and all the lockdown, you know, my odds have gone down to maybe five out of 10 times. And it may take less for me to react, not respond, but react to something really, really small. You know, we had a customer absolutely go off about QR codes saying on one of our barcodes that we have on every single table saying, um, you know, it's a really simple three-step process. It says, you know, open the camera, focus on the barcode, step two, click on the link, yada, yada, right? And this customer went off at one of the junior wait waitresses to the point of, you know, spit coming out of his mouth, um, saying it's not a bar, it's not a barcode, it's a QR code. Can't you guys get that right? And it's like, wow. When you step, when you remove yourself from that situation and you step back, you you actually ask yourself, that's really not normal behavior. You know, to be reacting as if someone has stolen from you, um, and it's ludicrous and it's aggressive and it's violent in a sense. And, you know, this girl, poor thing, you know, she's 18 studying, uh, sorry, she's 19 studying nursing and she's doing the best she absolutely can with whatever tools that life has given her up for 19 years of her life. And, you know, she, she, she doesn't have the strength to step away and say, you know what, I'll go get my manager. She just feels like because this customer is older and it's an unequal relationship, you know, you've got an, an older generation projecting down to the younger ones and the younger ones just through, you know, points of authority in their life up until the age that they're at, you know, having to sit there and listen, feel like they have to stand there and listen to someone who's older, you know, she just stood there and copped it. And the, the side effect of that was she just cried. Like afterwards, she went to the manager and told them on duty, it was too late by then, the guy had already gone. And no, nothing, there was no resolution that day, you know. So then when I found out about it, I'm trying to see not, I'm trying to see in the light of not trying to tell the customer off, but also trying to give my staff the tools that's needed to not only survive these little scenarios that happen in, in their lives, but how they can use it to their advantage to grow from it. And if you're not there, it's very hard to do that. You know, the effect, the damage has been done. So, you know, that was one customer. And then today, this morning, you know, um, we're opening the cafe at eight o'clock and 8.45, not even an hour into the shift, we have a customer walking into the premises without a mask. And not just without a mask, but didn't even have a mask on him. And you know, again, it's about education. I'm always about education and coaching. That's my go-to whenever I find a problem. Um, but some people are just inconsolable. He would dis—he was disobeying literally to my uh, to the girl's face. That was, you know, seeing, telling him this morning, literally, "Hey, I, um, would you like to put on your mask? We can't actually allow you inside without a mask." So, and he's like, "Oh, well, I can't hear you. What did you say?" And he kept on, and there was no one in the restaurant. And, you know, it's not like it's screaming loud. So then he, you know, denied hearing, denied hearing. And then I sort of stepped in. I said, sorry, sir, do you mind just popping on a mask? We actually can't. I, know, I understand the rules are a little bit, you know, <laughs> grey at the moment with being outside in the nursery and then having to come inside of a cafe and putting on a mask and then putting off your mask as soon as you sit at a table. It's very confusing. 
but we're all doing our best. Can you please just cooperate? And then being literally told I'm like the Gestapo, which is so disrespectful. It's not something that people should use as an example. I find that really offensive. You know, we're talking about a time in history which is talking, referring to mass genocide. And to use that example just off the cuff is really, it says a lot about the mental health of the customer thinking that it's okay to say that. You know, um, I'm sure that guy was a genuinely nice person. But then he started to go on and, you know, I'm very, very hospitable in that nature. I said, look, I'll go grab you a mask. We've got some um, new ones that are untouched. We, we have them on site just for, just for this occasion, you know, so you can at least come sit down and still enjoy yourself. It just won't be your mask. It'll be a disposable. And he just didn't want to have a bar of it. He just, he's like, well, I've gone to other places and they don't need to wear masks at all. You're full of this. You're effing that and all the rest of it. Call me every name under the sun. And then, um, you know, proceeded to then ask him. I said, look, sir, if you're not willing to put on your mask, would you, we, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And then, you know, he tries to say, well, I've known the people that own the company for 10, 20, 30. And then I'm just thinking, look, it's not about, no, it's not about how long you've known the people that makes an impact about whether I'm lenient or not. It's about your behavior right now. And if you continue... I'm not going to be a mirror. I'm not going to show you aggression back just because you're being aggressive. I'm literally going to just remove you from the scenario, from the environment, because you're toxic. And I didn't say that, but that's, that's my thought pattern. So I just asked him to leave. And then he just proceeded to call me every name under the sun. And I couldn't help but think he was only f a few seconds away from me not being in the room, me going upstairs and printing something, and my younger staff member having to deal with him. And I just... Again, I'm reflecting on Bob's your uncle. I'm reflecting on our customer this week and today. And I'm going, something's going on here. You know, something bigger is happening here. And it's all circled around mental health. Um, and I know we've all, all hospitality, all, you know, mental health agencies around the country, around the world are going on about this. But on the front line, I'm seeing firsthand what the impact is. And trying to teach my staff empathy you know, it's probably the, the best time to learn empathy because you're getting it every single day, you know, and I'm trying to sort of persuade them to see it that way. But it's very, it's, it's hard, you know, the, the, it, it overwhelms them. Well, it's, yeah, it's very challenging. It is, I mean, it is, it's so challenging. It is overwhelming. And it's not that you've got a rule about masks for some opaque, uh, you know, you just, just thought it up on the spot one day reason it's because you know these are the rules put in place to keep the community safe and of course you want to keep your staff safe and no business wants to be associated with an outbreak even though you know of course it's unlikely to be because of anything that they did uh so I mean there's a lot there's a lot going on here Rod and I mean I think you're I, I think I'm with you. Like I always try to bring empathy to a situation and try to understand where the person's coming from. And um, I'm getting a lot of lessons in that with my teenage daughters <laughs> at the moment. Um, but I, I mean, of course, there's also you do have a duty of care to the people that are, are working for you, especially those young people that um, are, are not, yeah, are, are, are very likely going to be less able to, yes, see their way past or through a situation or know how to handle it. I mean, and as, of course, as someone who's, who's, who's looking after staff, you know, you, you, 
you you want to be there as much as you can. But yeah, sometimes you do need to go upstairs and print something out or get to chat on someone's podcast or you know whatever it is. Um, and but you don't want to you don't want to um, feel that you need to be there to shield them from you know the world's dangers at every moment of the day. Um, so I guess there's two things I want to ask you, and one is what you think is going on that's causing an, a surge in this type of behaviour. And the other one is around, you know, you talk about trying to help your staff through these moments to, 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 for them to find those resources to respond rather than react. So I'd love to know some of your insights into how you do that. Sure. Well, first off, I'm seeing, you know, it's always about recognising where the voids are in your life or in your life, the some other people's life in the community, in your family, in your social circles, in the world. And one massive void I'm seeing at the moment, it's not like it's a majority though, it's like it's a minority, but it's loud enough to make an impact um, and to create focus, which is a lack of respect. Um, and I believe that comes from you know new rules trying to be projected onto a community that is also learning about them. And we're getting all these younger slash older operators, um, maybe their approach needs work rather than just projecting rules, which no one likes that. Even your daughter, you know, doesn't like projected points of authority. They like to understand and be a part of the lesson. They love learning. Um, no one likes to be told what to do. They like to be a part of the solution. So I think the misinterpretation on what it is to be, you know, to show respect, even if you don't agree with someone, you can be respectful. You know, I think there's not enough of a focus on respect on between strangers. You know, um, a waiter is not um, a low-level job. In Europe, it's one of the highest-level privileges you can have because it's a full profession. Um, but yet, I think the association in Australia for the, you know, not-so-up-there cafes or restaurants or establishments, I think the general public, some of the general, you know, the, again, the minority of the general public feel like they can tell them what to do. Um, and I think that's really disrespectful. Um, so I think we need to, you know, look in the mirror. You know, Michael Jackson said it best, you know, <laughs> big believer, right? Um, you got to start with the man in the mirror. And I, I really, truly believe that, that sometimes we need to open our senses, you know, our ears, our eyes, our touch, our smell, and really, really think twice about what we are saying to a waiter or to a chef or to any operator, to our customers. You know, so respect, absolutely. We need to look in the mirror, look at how we're respecting one another. You know, remove the titles, waiter. Remove the titles, customer. What do you have? You have a community, you have a family, you have a village. You know, and I'm positive that if our association is with how we see our perceptions upon, you know, how we see the staff, if we call them our family, would we ever treat our family that way? You know, and both ways, it works both ways. Would we ever treat our customers that way? And that's to the owners projecting their anxiety as pressure or stress on their customers, not doing the right thing. You know, would we ever treat our family unsafely? No. So we have no right to think that just because they're customers slash, you know, eliminate the titles, always eliminate the titles. Um, you know, I think we just really need to take a good look in the mirror. And as far as the staff go, you know, and obviously empathy, obedience, um, you know, reflection, I'm massive on reflection. You know, that all ties into respect, I believe. 
you know, you can't have respect without empathy, reflection, and obedience. Um, that's like me coming to your place and you saying, would you like potatoes? I'd be like, no, I'd like McDonald's and making you drive to McDonald's and, you know, it's really disrespectful. You know, you've prepared. So, you know, I think I need to have some level of obedience and acceptance that it is the way it is in every single cafe because the operator is trying to apply the same set of rules in a, with some point of difference and they can't do that. You know, it's very hard to do that consistently in the industry because... You know, our hospitality industry, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, wherever, is all about, um, you know, it, diversity. So it's very hard to embrace that diversity with the same set of rules. But I think, again, like, just as we have food safety folders or HACCP programs or OH&S programs, they're the same set of rules. We just need to, as a community, not as staff and customers, as a community, we need to come together and show each other a little bit of respect, a little bit more leniency, and not have such a short memory that customers were amazing two weeks ago because they were finally allowed out. And now it's two weeks later and they've forgotten almost. But the effect, the psychological effect is still there. Um, and I don't think that awareness is there. Um, so I do believe reflection is a massive point um, to really take away from all this. So, Rod... The, when the guy came in and he uh, was complaining about the <laughs> QR code being called a barcode and you weren't there and, the, you know, he, he did enough to make your staff member, <laughs> you got some people throwing stuff around back there. Um, I do. One just dropped a salt and pepper shaker. I'm so sorry. <laughs> nah, it's got to happen. Um, yeah. Yep. So the guy's there, he's uh, complaining that the QR code has been called a barcode, you know, crime of crimes, and he got arced up enough to, for your staff member to be upset. If you were just that little angel sitting on her shoulder and you could have whispered to her, you know, how to respond, how to act, you know, what would you have been saying to her through that incident? Two words, step away, literally. Um, no person, no staff member, no matter what the title is, should ever stand and bear someone's aggression ever um, it's not okay in domestic violence ever it's not okay in you know when you're on the streets and someone's trying to harass you and pick a fight it's not okay from a customer to a worker ever so two words literally can save someone from feeling the you know abcs of negativity anger and aggression blame and betrayal and criticism and challenge and that's two words really simple easy to remember is step away and you don't even have to wait for them to finish. You know, it's not rude, which is ironic because the customer thinking it's okay to act out on their, on their frustration, um, you know, it's not okay ever to challenge a retail staff member, anyone in that capacity. But, you know, it's 50-50. You have the power. The staff member has the power. You know, my staff member had the capacity to just step away, excuse herself as soon as, you know, and I told her, I said, women are more intuitive than men, you know. <laughs> men don't even know it's coming. <laughs> women just know it's coming a mile away. Just literally step away and say, I'll go get my manager, one moment. They, they might continue saying what they have to say, but it's better handled by someone that has a few more internal uh, securities, let's call them. Uh, and, you know, that way that staff member can watch, observe, learn, you know, they, no one should be learning under that level of aggression that isn't equipped. You know, it's not right. Never is it okay for a customer to do that anyway. And this culture that's very, very slowly but surely developing. And I, 
I guess the biggest danger is momentum. You know, you never want to allow enough momentum in that scenario or in a industrial scenario to gain enough momentum so that it's harder to, you know, stop the behavior or create positive change. You never want that momentum to gain traction. Um, one way to stop that momentum is to remove yourself. So you're the more experienced senior person. You know, if, if she had come to you and said, oh, Rog, you know, there's a situation, I'm finding this really, really hard, what would you have done? I, I do this on a daily basis with them. Um, I say, great, no worries, what's the problem? Because I need to know what I'm walking into. They tell me, I go, great, that shows me their level of understanding of how they're interpreting the situation. And I go, great. When I go handle this, I want you to watch me from a distance. Um, I don't want you to hang around, just within hearing distance and listen to how I handle the customer. So that way they're getting something from it at least. I don't want to just go deal with it. I want them to take something from the experience too. And then I literally go to the customer, I introduce myself, I soften my tone, I use open hand gestures to say I'm open to listening. I make eye contact. It's all human behavioral driven, you know, and I listen to the customer's complaint effectively. And then I repeat their complaint back to them so it lets them know that I'm listening. And then I suggest a few solutions, one that serves them as a primary and one that serves us as a secondary. And then I allow them, then I tell them, you know, how we do things. I don't start off with, well, this is how we do things, so what's your problem? You know, I'm my you know, un unrealistic expectations <laughs> to solve a problem, right? But if I listen first, then at least I'm preparing them and preparing myself and preparing my staff member, more importantly. That's the bigger picture here. That's the higher truth. It's about equipping. Again, I'm the manager. I'm meant to be aging my staff. I'm meant to be growing them. And if I don't show them how growing is done, they'll never grow. That's on me. That's my duty to my staff. Like you say, duty of care to your staff. It absolutely is. You know, um, and the only way to give first aid to a situation like that is to really be self-aware of softening. You know, wherever, wherever there is a hard um, texture in your environment, being a conversation, hard words, harsh words, harsh gestures, it's important to be the opposite. You know, the universe works in opposites. So it's important not to meet hard with hard or fire with fire or water with water. You need to be the opposite to cancel out the aggression, to cancel out the tension. And then both parties can be optimistic and come to a resolution. And the biggest bonus out of all of that is the younger staff member or the team sees that and they believe that because no one wants to come to work to feel uncomfortable. And the biggest payoff of that is that everyone is inspired to do what you did in the way that you did it with their own words, you know, then you start to create change. But if a manager or an owner doesn't do that consistently, doesn't come in every single day saying, I'm here to support my staff, you know, I'm here to support whoever, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of the time what happens is we get really just caught up in the moment and we managers I'm talking to, you know, we forget that, how it works, and I don't mean like this is how it is, I mean how the system works, beneficiary, you know, works, is the customers, uh, the staff, lower end staff support the customers, the managers support the staff, the owners support the managers, and the customers support the owners because it turns revenue. If everyone focuses on their role, then everyone can achieve it, but too often the manager becomes the, the staff, the staff 
need to become the manager or they're saying, well, why aren't you doing this or getting questioned all the time as opposed to learning lessons and being taught lessons and being provided answers, you know, like just too many questions. You need to eliminate questions as a manager and provide solutions, provide answers. And I'm, I'm not talking about band-aids. I'm talking about getting to the core of it and focusing on solutions. How are you solving the problem, not putting a band-aid on the problem? Putting a band-aid on the problem is, hey, what's up? What's going on? That's the problem? Great, no worries. I tell you what, I'm just going to take off a few items off your bill and happy days. Are you good with that? Like I had a customer the other day get all up in one of my staff's face because he was in a shade, he was in an undercover area outside in the garden and the sun moves. So now he wasn't undercover and he, he just complained. He's like, I'm, this is a posturous. What kind of service is this? And my staff member came up to me. He goes, Rod, I don't know what to do, but I can't control the sun. And I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely right. So I went to the customer. I said, you know, so I, I listened, I explained. And then I said, but, you know, inevitably, I can't control the sun. You know, I think that's a little bit, I think we need to be sensible here. And he was older. He understood what I was trying to say. But I don't just stop there. I don't say, I don't control the sun, deal with it. I have to know the problem and bring a solution. And that goes for everyone. Every single staff member that works under me, I say, don't ever bring me a problem without thinking of a solution. You have the capacity to be amazing. So act on that. Even if it's the wrong solution, it doesn't matter. I just want your mind thinking about the positive rather than just bringing a negative because that's going to flood into your life in every single area. You know, if you just... Focus on training, literally um, creating dendrites in the mind through, you know, neurologically and consistently on, on training your staff or training your family or training your daughter, whoever it is, whatever it is, anyone that needs the lesson consistently, then that'll create change. But, you know, too many managers, they just demand and expect without actually teaching any lessons. And it just, like I said before, like it just doesn't work that way. So, Rod, you've obviously thought a lot about this and you've got a lot of, you know, language around it. Is is this, I mean, where has this come from? Has this been um, a field that you've studied through being in hospitality or have you brought some other kind of expertise to the arena? No. So I've been in hospitality for most of my life and honestly this all comes from my family. It comes from beginnings, um, being hospitable. You know, I come from a Middle Eastern background where, Big family events, big this, big that, you know, everything was always big. Big meals, big portions. Um, so, you know, big love, <laughs> big bed. You know, it's always about just, it's always about just providing more, bringing happiness, bringing positivity. And none of this made sense to me until probably I was 16. And I was going through depression and I was suicidal. And instead of, you know, the suicide thoughts and the depression running me, I thought, you know, how can I use suicide for my life? You know, it's the biggest challenge of anyone's life because it's its exact opposite. It's death. And wherever there's a massive challenge, there's a lesson there that's equally as big that you can use. And as soon as I started to wake up to that, it took me about 10 years, you know, of just constantly running through the mill, you know, working for people that believed in me and didn't believe in me um, and trying my very best as much as I even still to today not to take it personally um, which I still fail at you know um, but again it's about forgiving yourself and just recognizing that everything around you is a lesson for you not you know this life happens for you not against you 
And I just think that through my experiences, through, you know, those negative experiences in particular, really shaped me. And when life is ready, it'll allow you to use your experiences for the right person or for the right community or for the right nation or for the right world, you know, for the right age, for the right era. You know, it's all relative. And I think I was just very, very fortunate, touch wood, to not only have the right teachers in my life, but I also had, you know, I listened, more importantly. I listened. And even if I tried to use it and I failed, um, you know, my teachers, my mentors, you know, my cousin, my friends, my men, everyone around me, my dad, my mum, my brother, my wife, you know, everyone around me um, was patient. And, you know, that's, it's just... If you don't show patience, you can't show consistency. And if you don't show consistency, you'll never get it. And literally, you'll never receive it. Because how can you just get something the first time? It, you're, you know, my, 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 my wife taught me this. And I'll never forget it. And I still use it to this day. But it takes the human brain 7 to 21 times to learn a new habit um, through plasticity in your brain. So that's me telling my staff, remove yourself. Remove yourself remove yourself, you know, seven to 21 times, not in a row, obviously, that's just madness, but seven to 21 times it happens. And then they start using my language. They start saying when it happens, remove yourself, remove yourself, remove yourself, you know, and I think that consistency of teaching lessons, which is what I was provided, you know, with patience and compassion, I think we need to be as, you know, the elders of whatever, you know, I can be 12 years old, you know, mental age of 12 when it comes to <laughs> stitching, but I have a mental age of 100 when it comes to cooking, you know, um, it's all relative, <laughs> you know, and whatever example you want to put that upon. But, you know, I'm just really focused on human behavior and psychology. And I think that's because a lot of psychological trauma what happened to me. And I just, I just decided to use it as opposed to let it run my life. Right, yeah. I mean, that's a. I'm. It, it's obviously very striking whenever anybody talks about you know a mental health crisis that leads them to um, consider suicide, as as you just did, and that's very, you know, it's 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 really shocking and and sad, and I guess it makes me really worried for that for that boy that you were at the time. Did you? I mean, it's. It, but it's so, also so interesting how you talk about it now as a constructive period like a, a crisis that you were able to use to to rebuild and to create a life where you know it sounds like you're always looking for the positive and you're very solution focused is 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 that I mean is that very hard one you know was it I'm just wondering like were you very lost in that period for a while or were you oh, already absolutely. yeah okay absolutely you know um the best part, the best place to find yourself is being lost, you know, because you, you're at the bottom. you got nowhere else. <laughs> you're in, you've got no compass. So the best time to actually ask yourself, what are my values? Who am I? You know, um, is when you're lost because you've got no one around you to confuse you or project their um, value system onto you. So it's a really, depending on how you see it, you know, I spent years, you know, years just trying to find myself and I found myself in hospitality you know the challenge at home was too much and the universe provided me with an industry that's all about what my family was when I was a kid uh, which is just so poetic in that sense you know um, 
And then obviously, you know, the camaraderie of hospitality, the, the challenges of hospitality, the aggression of hospitality in the kitchens, you know, um, all of that shaped me. And, you know, just like anything in life that you consistently do for a long period of time, you start to pick up little treasures, you know, because you stop focusing on chopping an onion. You can chop it with your eyes closed. So you start to pay attention to the conversations that are being had in the kitchen and you pick up on it. You know, you either pick up on a behavior or a lifestyle or both. Um, and that's usually through other people's experiences. And I just started to realize I was like far out. I was so lost and so... <laughs> so sad, I guess, in a sense, um, growing up in that small, very small period of time. You know, it was probably five years it lasted. But the, you know, that arrow just drew back that hard and that fast that as soon as it shot off, it was, there was no coming back. You know, I knew I was going to arrive here. I just didn't know when. Um, and the only time I knew when I arrived is when someone younger than me said, I'm suicidal and I felt prepared for that conversation. That's when you know you've arrived at when you're prepared for a conversation. That's the only time because you've had the experience. You know, a certificate doesn't give you that. Life experience, scenarios, um, moments and sen your senses being open, that's what provides experience, that's what provides preparation. And, you know, even some of my staff now, they have suicidal thoughts because they're in that age bracket, but I'm able to help them. I'm able to coach them. I'm able to be there for them, but not, but not in a fake sort of sense, I guess, you know, in a very genuine sort of way where I care about them. Um, I don't know them from a bar of soap, but that doesn't stop me from caring about anyone. And that extends to my customers. I, it goes from taking someone's order to saying, hey, going. I've noticed you here a few times on your own reading a book. Is everything okay? You know what I mean? And it's, again, that hospitable, that human element that I think we need to reconnect with. And that's very much on the customer's behalf as well. You know, there's a responsibility that the customer has, not just the staff member. You know, and that's etiquette. That's decorum. You know, all of that, I believe, ties in. And I just, you know, the relativity of my experiences in my life, I think there's no coincidences that I'm doing what I'm doing today. It's really interesting everything that you're saying, especially if we circle back to people, customers treating your staff who are in many cases will be looking for that same family and hospitality that, that you were able to seek and find. And I suppose it just puts an extra layer of um, concern to if, if, if these staff are not, you know, honouring those people, not respecting them, then it's, it's just like it's, uh, it's a real, it's another, it's another puncture, isn't it? Like it's another, it's another I guess, um, yeah, it's just, it's just another way that it's wrong. Um, yeah, Rod, it's really incredible to speak to you and I'm so glad that you reached out to me. Um, uh, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a bad incident that has brought a lot of, um, other stories to the surface. And I think that's, that's for the good. So I, I guess it's another example of, um, of your your theory about you know there being uh, there being forces that can meet uh, other forces and um, hopefully create some change in this situation, uh, yeah. I just want to say to anybody who's listening that if um, this conversation has brought anything up for you, you can give Lifeline a call at any time, and that number is one three double one one four. 
And I just want to say to you, Rod, um, thank you so much for, you know, talking to me, absolutely, and, and to the listeners, but also for um, the, yeah, the energy that you bring to the industry. I think that it's uh, definitely definitely better for it really really appreciate it thank you my absolute pleasure thanks for listening thanks for putting it out there and again like no one should ever stop loving you know in any capacity in any form in any way you know and i hope that you know we can all reflect upon all of these podcasts that you're doing you know all this value that you're bringing i hope that it provides reflection and not only that but application what we do with the information you know not just the theory but the prac how we use it. I hope everyone can focus on that as a result. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. Um, Rod, I'm just going to let my daughter in because that's the dog going mental. Hang on a sec.